0: I'm a big fan of the pants. I like the uh, the pleated slacks. I like. Oh, and the um, those work pants, the adjustable waistband. They are so comfortable,
1: so light. You know.
0: But how many pairs of pants do you need?
2: Welcome back to Relentless, a podcast about the pursuit of far-fetched ideas, unusual aspirations, or that perfect pair of sneakers. I'm the host, Maddie Russell Shapiro. At Relentless, motivation is put under a microscope to investigate why certain people choose to spend their limited time and resources on a specific interest. This is the second episode in the series, and I suggest you listen to these episodes in order, starting with episode one. In this episode, I continue my exploration of ethical business decisions in fashion and the New York City menswear brand, NOAA. Are you familiar with the brand NOAA? No, I am not. No.
1: No. No.
2: Now, Are you familiar with the brand Noah?
1: I am. How
2: do you explain that brand?
3: Modern take on like preppy stuff, but like bringing it to like streetwear. I like it a lot.
2: (laughs) You may not be familiar with the brand. Noah doesn't advertise, at all, anywhere. So you won't have seen the clothes in magazines or on billboards. NOAA mostly sells direct to consumer, meaning you can only purchase at its two stores in New York City and Tokyo, at a couple other select locations in Los Angeles and London, or a small number of websites, one of which is their own. For a lot of people who are into menswear, especially streetwear, NOAA is an exciting brand.
0: Really good quality, great materials, like great feel, at not a ridiculous price. Everything has like a nice ethos to it and a good design story. Very New York, very American.
2: It churns out collections at the same pace as other brands that have exponentially bigger teams and budgets. The designs appeal broadly. Everything is designed in-house, including versions of the standard streetwear uniform, graphic t-shirts, sweatpants and sweatshirts with prominent logos, a cross, a winged foot, a skull and crossbones. Fans eagerly anticipate collaborations with bands like Youth of Today and Big Audio Dynamite. But the breadth of the designs goes well beyond streetwear.
3: When they dropped the lookbook for the new collection this week, I was just like, yeah, that could be my entire wardrobe. So I'm kind of accumulating the things that I want over time. Like, if money weren't a thing, like, honestly, I'd have everything in here. Like, I, I could definitely just wear all NOAA. I mean, I, I like variety, and I'm going to wear other stuff. But when it comes down to it, everything I need and want is here.
2: Their lookbook for spring and summer 2019 featured men and women in an array of colorful options a madras suit in pink light blue and pale yellow, black and white checked cotton linen beach pants, a floral print on swim trunks and a rugby shirt, a white crewneck sweatshirt with royal blue polka dots, a plain black water resistant pullover parka, Some fans are particularly devoted to their accessories.
0: I honestly wanted to see if they had any more matches, because their matches are great for candles. They're very long. The NOAA team prides itself on
2: prioritizing quality and durability, on carefully selecting fabrics and vetting manufacturers. Customers are attuned to these details.
1: Their stuff is very clean, classic. You can wear it for years, like stuff that I want to wear as I get older, reverse terry's. rich wools, good texture and colors every season like each year it gets better and better.
2: Noah doesn't adopt pithy taglines or broadcast a high-minded mission statement that outlines exactly what it is out to accomplish. But there is an ethos that informs everything the company does. As we introduced in the first episode of this series, the creative force behind the entire galaxy of Noah's aesthetic. It's all Brendan. Founder Brendan Babinzine. His musical influences and phases in his life or just the way he grew up and all of the he has like incredible references incredible references from a life spent surfing skating running and immersed in music
4: from 1976 on the way skateboarding evolved the way surfing evolved the way music evolved and all those things that kind of like collided I was kind of growing up through all of it all of those things led into what we now have today no I was lucky to have existed as a person old enough to have ideas during a really creative time, just just a little young for like punk, but around for like the post-punk and like new wave and then skateboarding, doing what it did and surfing, becoming a thing. And like I was around for all that, right? And then hip hop exploded, rave culture came and, and I was old enough to be a part of all of those things. And I can draw connections to all of them. None of them are totally separate from the others. They all came together in some way, shape or form. And all of those things and all of the brands and all of the music and all of the people and all of the art and all of this and all of that is what allows us to do this. It definitely couldn't exist without it.
2: Brendan explains that at the outset, when he was conceiving of the brand,
4: I was operating with a few premises. One, the customer was ready and, and really wanted to consume in a different way and would be happy to do it. I also was kind of making this prediction that young and old is less of an issue these days, that as consumers, we share a lot of the same clothing and music and entertainment and stuff. Now, it's not the same as it was before. So essentially, I looked at the market, and I was like, well, we have a much bigger audience than we ever could have had. He says, guys, I'm 46. I'm sometimes wearing the same thing as a 13-year-old kid. You know what I mean? We wear it differently, but like, we're into the same shit. So I just looked at it and was like, well, we have a huge audience. It's not like 18 to 22 anymore. It's not like 40 to 45. It's like, no, it's like 13 to 60. We all still skate, we surf, we love music, art, all these different things that we have in common now. So it just seems like... How could you fail when you have that many people into all the same shit?
2: Brendan's confident bet is on Noah's ability to attract a broad consumer base across age, interests, even gender, to come together for clothing that draws inspiration from classic and contemporary menswear. Clothing that combines high and low concepts, sold at higher and lower prices, a brand that makes hooded sweatshirts and graphic t-shirts, and suits. This approach resonates with Noah's employees, such as designer Corey Rubin.
0: My name's Corey Rubin. I'm 27 years old. My role here is designer. I've been here almost from the start.
2: When asked to categorize Noah,
0: Not menswear, not like women's wear, not like this, that, the other. It's just clothing. That's so cool that whoever can come into our shop and find something that they like.
5: Vryn Powell works in the New York store. My name's Vrindavan Lila Powell. I'm 27 and I've been here for two years. I'm a musician, I'm a writer, I'm an
2: artist, I'm a yoga teacher, and I work in the shop. I interviewed Vryn on a cold January afternoon as the light faded outside. Noah was closed between seasons and the shop floor was full of cardboard boxes containing merchandise for the new season. Vryn is petite and pretty much everything she wears from Noah is oversized, including the yellow shirt jacket she wore that day, layered over a hooded sweatshirt. As with everyone who works in sales at Noah, Vryn wears the clothes in her own stylish way talking about Noah's customers. She observed that.
5: It's really cool when I see women shop the racks and like wearing more men's clothes or suits or dress them in a way that is unique to them. It fills me with optimism. I think the more people are individualistic, the better.
2: To Vrin on the question of whom Noah's clothes are for.
5: You leave it up to the, the individual to make the choice. Like, I identify as female, and I wear whatever clothes I want. And I encourage everybody
2: to do the same. For former operations manager Jasmine Young, here is what stood out to her about Brendan's creativity and vision.
1: One of the things that I feel Brendan tries to do is, we live in New York, so everyone's always wearing black. I'm completely guilty of that black, navy, gray. And I think that's one of his pet peeves. (laughs) And he wants to fill... New York with more color. And so I think that that in general appeals to women, but it also allows men to, I feel, express themselves in ways that other brands may not allow them to.
2: The concept of clothing for anybody is something I find very appealing, another reason that NOAA holds my interest. Regarding the clothing more objectively, quality and durability are two distinct yet complementary components of NOAA's business model. For a company like NOAA that prioritizes producing garments that will last, Brandon describes why their production team has to pay especially close attention to the mills, which turn fibers into fabric.
4: Fabric makes the garment more or less. Like, obviously, you're going to have, you know, with different types of garments, if you're talking about a suit or a sport coat or that kind of thing, you have a tailoring component where, like, people who are making patterns need to be incredibly good at what they do, so you can make something that people buy off off the rack that still fits really well that's not made custom for them after that level when you're talking about tailoring and stuff for me the sewing is relatively simple to direct you get a sample in from a factory and they can more or less adjust but fabric comes from the mill level and there's mills who make great fabrics and mills that don't and definitively speaking there's serious difference in the two like you get real quality from a shirt that has a lot more yarns packed into a square inch. And if that yarn is a higher quality from the source, then you get a better piece of fabric. It's just that simple. It'll last longer. It'll feel better. You know, it'll perform at a higher level, like all the way through. And so I focus on that because I can direct the factories to sew things differently if I need them to. But I can't take a mill that makes crappy fabric and get them to make a better fabric. So I have to go to the good mills. You know, if a seam splits, you you can re-sew it. Pocket opens, you can probably fix it. Things like that can be fixed. But once your fabric starts to fall apart and rip or tear or whatever, it's kind of a wrap. Or if it doesn't work. If you buy a fabric that you want it to be a raincoat, but actually doesn't repel water, then, like, it's kind of useless, you know what I mean? If you buy a pair of swim trunks and you want them to dry fast, but they don't, well, then they're not really good swim trunks, you know, so there's something like, very specific things. We spend a lot of time with at the mill level working with people who just make beautiful fabrics because I think it makes a better
0: garment that will last a lot longer.
2: Good fabrics are necessary for durability. Corey describes the process of working with mills.
0: We're always meeting with mills, kind of looking at their new developments, submitting old stuff from the 80s that we'd like to like repurpose into something and have a better quality using that as a starting point there's lots of that going on too most of the time it starts with the design and then you pick a fabric from there sometimes we really like a particular corduroy that this mill has offered this season and we like hey it'd be cool to use this on something so we kind of keep that in mind maybe do research around that or but on some of the suiting it starts with the fabric
2: another invisible aspect of the manufacturing process is the work that goes into testing new designs
0: and then while that's happening you have a bunch of other things coming in from the factories that you're kind of constantly checking like print strike-offs or swatches from fabric developments construction on garments we're all kind of taking a look at to make sure everything's done well
2: with a small team reviewing samples.
0: It comes down to someone trying it on and doing these day-to-day things that you would do, like going in and out of the pockets. If it's performance-based, someone has to use it. That's when you make the best little design tweaks, and those little fixes and tweaks make, I think, a lot of the things here, the quality that we talk about and we try and be proud of and we strive towards. Recently, I was working on this development. I thought it would be a good idea to do recycled cashmere beanies. Because it was a new thing, and it was something that I wanted to develop, I spent the winter in that hat.
2: That testing continues even once they've committed to production. One day, I sat in on a design meeting, and the team was talking about the season's winter gloves, which Brendan had been using.
4: I ran in this morning, so windy that I was almost running in place.
0: The only thing I worry about is, like, the wind getting through it. But They
4: have not. They kept me warm. I expected them to pill. They haven't yet. Like, they still look great. There's no loose threads. They're, they're comfortable. And you've
0: been wearing the shit
4: out of them? I've been wearing them every day.
2: There's another critical element. To reduce the strain on the planet of creating these clothes. One way to reduce that negative impact? Limiting the use of polyester in garments
4: so like garments so far i don't think we've used polyester at all i think we may have used polyester in some hats things that you don't really throw in the wash all the time we might allow for some polyester um, and that came down to the kind of like the shedding into the water which then ends up in the oceans and all of this polyester stuff that goes into all of our clothing goes into all of our washes and then all of that stuff ends up in the ocean and no one ever thought about it until recently, and like it's way worse than we thought. It's microplastics, basically.
2: This shedding issue is a big one, and, as Brendan points out, not something that is yet widely understood. Basically, when fabrics are washed, microfibers come off in the water. These are minuscule pieces of the fabric. If it's a natural fiber, then that means little pieces of cotton or linen or wool that will eventually degrade in water. But if it's a synthetic, oil-based material like polyester or acrylic, that means little pieces of plastic. When the wash water drains away, those shreds of textile are in the water and they are so small that they don't get filtered, so they end up in the ocean and in such large quantity that the accumulation is actually having a detrimental effect on marine life.
4: So stuff that's going to be washed all the time, certainly we don't have any poly in, which poses other problems. You want to make swimwear? A big chunk of the swimwear fabric industry uses polyester. And finding nylons is difficult and more expensive.
2: But you have swim trunks for sale right now. They're nylon. How did you find the nylon?
4: (laughs) We just pay more for it. Like It's an Italian mill. It's a really high quality, really nice construction that is durable but still very lightweight, dries quick, but it's more expensive. And it took a while to figure out who could supply us with that stuff. We have minimums per color. It's just not easy. That's the issue for most companies is like time is money and they're going to pick the easier route and polyester is cheaper.
2: Nylon is better than polyester, but it isn't perfect. Designer Corey Rubin explains.
0: Nylon also leaks microplastics. It's just when you have a quality that we have, it's less. It's much less than polyester, but it's less in other comparable nylons. All synthetics shed. I mean, everything sheds. It's just a matter of it being a nat- natural fiber shedding or a synthetic fabric. But polyester is notorious for really letting loose, especially the fleece.
2: However, that leaves plenty of other materials for design ideas. NOAA carefully sources high-quality fabrics because they prioritize making clothes that will last a long time. But quality is not a priority for every company. Brendan recalls,
4: I can't tell you the number of times I've been at a fabric show and sitting in a booth... And I've heard somebody come in from name a brand, any fucking brand you know, that work for their textile division. And they go, do you have something like this? And they'll pull it out and they'll be like, yeah, how about this? Like, well, how much is it? Oh, it's, you know, it's $18 a yard. Ugh, I need it for $5 a yard. And then they move on. Like that's the reality of the business.
2: Less costly fabrics may benefit the customer by keeping total price of an item lower. But a lower price means something in the supply chain has to give. Either the fabric is being produced more cheaply, less yarn per square inch, for example, which means the fabric won't be very durable, or the fabric quality is higher, requiring more materials and more labor. To keep costs down in that situation, the cost savings may end up being with labor by reducing how much factory workers get paid.
4: How do we get it cheaper? How do we get it cheaper? Not like, how do we make a better product? How do we do a better job for our customer? How do we use our business for good? Like, it's just like, how do we get it cheaper? And I've seen it over and over and over again. I hear it constantly. And we don't operate like that.
2: Those truths about production are largely invisible to shoppers, which is why there is a certain onus on us individually to become more informed, to learn how to assess for quality, for durability, and to ask questions and expect clear answers from companies that want our money. NOAA clothes are made to last, contravening the trend of disposable clothes that only withstand a few wears, a few washes. As clear as NOAA is as a company about the importance of prioritizing quality fabrics, that message still has to make its way to customers.
4: It's why we show our fabrics on our website, so people can see, like, this is no joke. Like, this is the real shit. It's worth it. So yeah, we do feel like it's a big part of our business to educate consumers. And, and not because we, like, we see ourselves as some experts or anything. It's more like we need to explain our stuff.
2: The NOAA blog provides informative descriptors about why each fabric was selected and in what country it was made, like a cotton nylon blend for a spring jacket that blocks wind and is water resistant.
4: Like, it needs to be explained. You you can't just walk in and be like, oh, there's a $1,000 jacket, that's ridiculous, it's overpriced. Because 20 minutes earlier, you were on Broadway and you saw something that looked kind of similar and it was $200. That's a shitty jacket. That $200 jacket is not good. Alternatively, it's a good jacket, but the people who made it are fucking starving and can't put their kids into school and live in a dorm where they work six days a week for nothing.
2: The website is one source of information. Another is the store itself. For Vryn, fabric selection. It's a big part of what we talk about because Noah uses the best
5: materials possible for every single piece. And each fabric is really special and it's used in a way that's not conventional. Like the baby camel hair hoodie is the best example for me of how we use really luxurious fabrics in an unconventional way that's elevated but also casual. There is an ongoing spiraling
2: conversation taking place in the shop on Mulberry.
5: At any given time, a customer walking into the store is either going to be talking about like the cultural references or they see like a fabric or a piece on the hanger that's like really unique and stands out. And then we'll start talking about fabric and that'll be like the point of entry to like, okay, well, then what's the brand? And like, when did it start and where is it from?
2: In the manufacturing of clothes, there is a long supply chain of workers handling and shaping natural resources into fabrics and clothes. The work takes place on farms and mills and factories and at distribution centers. How are people treated in those workplaces? Are the work conditions safe? Are employees paid on time, paid for overtime? As you may recall, in 2013, a commercial building called Rana Plaza collapsed in Dhaka, Bangladesh. The eight-story building housed five garment factories and today, four years later, it's still not clear which apparel companies contracted to have their clothes made there. Over 1,100 workers died. That disastrous tragedy shined a spotlight on the need for labor reforms in the industry. But even with good intentions, it can be very challenging to confidently assess what is happening in factories halfway around the world. NOAA is committed to selecting their factory partners with care.
1: Former operations manager Jasmine describes first learning about the company. How Brendan sourced each company that we worked with, and he had a really good relationship with them, and that one of his main focuses was really working with brands that had a good reputation, that did not use any child labor, that honored people as people, and also paid them a living wage. It was a quality product that was being made with factories and manufacturers that have a good uh, industry standard or I would say go above and beyond the industry standard.
2: Given all those preferences, Brendan acknowledges that puts us in a position where we can
4: only manufacture in certain parts of the world. You know, it's like dictated to us. It's Italy, it's Portugal, it's the US, Canada, Japan. We do a tiny bit of, of work in India but only because we know the factory owners, we know who they are, we know how they operate. They funnel some of their profits to put girls into school.
2: Noah's chief operating officer, Beau Wallens, sat down with me at the office on the Friday before Labor Day weekend.
3: My name is Beau Wallens. I am 28. I grew up in the East Village. Around like 13 or 14, I started to get into clothing and streetwear and sneakers, and I stumbled across this store, Nome de Guerre, the high-end menswear label that had a retail store on Broadway and Bleecker. I started working there, just sort of cleaning the hallways, cleaning the bathrooms, running errands. Brendan was friends with the owner. He met me for the first time when I was 15.
2: Bo explained more about Brendan's sourcing of factories.
3: Before he launched the company, he went to Italy and he he visited the two factories that we currently work with out there and partnered with the owner of one of the factories to work as a sort of intermediary for the brand to help us manage our production out of Italy and then uh, some of the other factories that we're working with in the U.S. are factories that he's been working with for close to 15 years. We're a pretty small team over here and and he knew what he knew and it was easier to uh, continue working with those.
2: But that hasn't spared NOAA from production challenges. NOAA's production runs are small.
3: It's extremely, extremely difficult. A lot of factories just won't really entertain the quantities.
2: In other words, just because the design team at NOAA has an idea it wants to execute doesn't mean it will be logistically feasible. The team has to find the right material and then find a factory with the skills and capacity and that treats workers well. And for each of those decisions, timing is an issue, as is cost.
3: But even today, as we're expanding into new products and we're trying to uphold those same standards, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what are the correct checks and balances for that. Do we need to physically go to the factory and see it and check the certifications and all that sort of stuff? Or is it going to be simply referral-based?
2: In order to expand beyond existing partners, NOAA will need to create its own rubric for assessment. NOAA is building these systems as it grows. In the next episode, efforts to reduce waste without alienating
1: customers. Customers were coming back and saying, hey, we respect what you guys are doing, but we also want our products to get here intact. And the
2: challenge is inherent to the decision to put ethics first.
4: We've always said that we'll be as big as we can be until we have to start making decisions we don't believe in. And once that happens, that's the ceiling.
2: In the meantime, Last week, we encouraged you to start doing some sleuthing within your own wardrobe. What did you learn? Did you get a chance to make some inquiries online or in a store? How much of the information that you wanted was available? This week, turn your attention to the working conditions of the people who make your clothes. What countries are listed on the labels of your most recent purchases? Do the labels say anything else about who made the clothes? What about if you go to the company's website? Can you learn more? The NOAA website, noahny.com, has an entire section dedicated to fabrics and a series of blog posts titled Breaking Down the Cost. You can find links on our website, therelentless.org, where we've also posted resources related to today's episode. Join us in conversation on Instagram at therelentlesspodcast. Podcast. This series would not be possible without Brendan and Estelle's agreement to participate. And I am so grateful to all the members of the NOAA team who sat for formal interviews, chatted informally with me at the office, and welcomed me on countless visits to the New York store. Relentless is produced by me, Maddie Russell Shapiro, and is recorded at Bright Young Things with the help of Dan Navetta. This episode was edited by Britta Conroy-Randall and Sarah Holtz. Music for Relentless is provided by Building Beats, an awesome nonprofit that teaches young people in New York City schools how to DJ and make music. Today's music was produced by DJ Synchro and EJ Cali. If you like the music, please consider supporting Building Beats. Everything you need to know about the show and this series is available on our website, therelentless.org. Subscribe to the podcast through your listening app so you don't miss the rest of the season and come back for the next episode.